It's Russell and Medhurst on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. That's right. We are live in the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It is Army Navy Radio Row, brought to you by our friends at USAA. They have been fabulous over the last, I don't know, several years now with their sponsorship of the Army Navy Classic, and they fly people like Chris Russell into Philadelphia. See, I'm already here because Navy pays for me to be here, but big sillies like Chris Russell get put up in posh hotels. Excellent. Right extended to the convention center itself. So all he has to do is get out of his room and walk a few steps. The best he, part of this morning, no traffic. Yes. I didn't have to battle one stinking stupid car or driver. It was awesome. Exactly. It took me literally four minutes to get to work. That's, it took me longer to get the elevator from my room to get down to the third floor. Where I ran into Scott Wyckoff, your yep. broadcast colleague on the Navy Radio Network, which can be heard on Odyssey. It took me longer to get the elevator down than it did to get from the hotel over across the skywalk mm-hmm. to Radio Row here at uh, USAA and the Army-Navy game. And when we're, sit- we're staying where the Navy Team Hotel is, it was literally like a 13-minute walk. So I got plenty of exercise to work off the cheesesteak that I had last Atta night boy. at Rex's Pizza. That's the... That's the thing. You know, I, I'll give Scott Strassmeyer, SID, this much credit. He, when we go on the road, you know, we don't eat at chain restaurants. Mm-hmm. We eat at local joints. Now, this thing yesterday is right over by where Drexel is. Uh, so it's me and a bunch of students from Drexel in there last night who are looking to get loaded. Uh, you know, they walk up. There's this huge cooler where you, I mean, dude, there's so many varieties of beer and alcohol that you can pull out of this cooler. And here come these 21 to 25-year-old you know, kids uh, looking to uh, get uh, their favorite alcohol and sit alongside Pedro last night watching uh, Rutgers and Ohio State up on the uh, screen inside there. But, I mean, I'm, Chris, I'm, I'm telling you, it's, it's maybe as thin as these tables right next to us, these four tables. It's not a very deep joint. It probably seats probably 40 maybe, if that. But that's the kind of hole-in-the-wall place that makes cities like this and makes the food like this. It was phenomenal. I mean, I could have—I know it wouldn't have been healthy for me. I could have gone back and eaten another one of those uh, cheesesteaks last night. You should have. You should have. No, I can't do that. Now that I've started refereeing this year, I can't can't do that now. What are you doing tonight? Uh, what are we? Oh, doing? you got the banquet or whatever. Uh, right? I think that usually the broadcast crew. We just go. We. I'm hoping we. Uh, one of our staples with our company uh, station here in Philadelphia, WIP, is Chicky and Pete's. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm. I'm gonna see if we can get Chicky and Pete's. There's like several locations now because it's been. Uh, they've been fantastic. So we're gonna try and maybe pluck one of those. Uh, and and go there because you can get actually get reservations at their locations. So you're gonna pluck a Chicky. 
Uh, and Pete's? No, no, but it's got Pete in its name, so it has to be great. I know, but pluck chicken. Well, yeah, I know. Yeah, pluck yeah. your feathers, too. That's yeah, what everybody exactly. does. That's what Paulie does on a regular basis uh, well, uh, on our I show. Think, I think we'll find a way to keep Paulie off the show today. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I think. He call, well, here's the best part. I don't know if you re- recognize this. So yesterday we were supposed to have you on at 1120 mm-hmm. from here. And all of a sudden, like, so it's like 11.15, and I see Paulie up there, and I know I'm not going to be able to get any more calls in because of you and Dum Dum of the day. So I said, right, I'm going to go to Paulie because I know I've got a couple of minutes, whatever. So all of a sudden, Matt gets in my head says, he's like, no, no, Pete, like, Pete's got to go at 11.17 or whatever it was uh, that he said. So literally, I bring on Paulie at like 11.15, and he starts doing his normal shtick. And then like 30 seconds in, I'm like, ah, Paulie, sorry. I, th- this really wasn't planned. <laughs> <laughs> Shut him down. That was the best time ever. It was 30 seconds of Paulie, and I wasn't as annoyed as I did, normally am. Did, did he give you an F.U. Rufio? Oh, he gave me an you know? F.U. Rufio. Uh, it's probably, no it's probably the way every call is going to start exactly. now. Exactly. For the, for the rest of time as opposed to hail to the W. And exactly. Of course, there's, there's no reason to hail to the W this week because uh, they are not playing. Uh, this week, which is unique in itself, and you know, I got to be honest with you. And we, you, the, our, both both sports stations in our market, because obviously we own both of them. Um, we take a lot of heat based on how much commanders we talk, right? Well, let me tell you, okay, when you're on the road, like I've been since Wednesday, driving to Morgantown, and uh, you know, and been then from Morgantown to Philadelphia, right? Uh, let me tell you, Pittsburgh, all they're talking about is the Steelers. Philadelphia here. Trey Turner signed a massive free agent contract with and the Phillies. And all they're talking about is the and Eagles. And all they're talking about is the Eagles. Yeah. They're not you, even you talking about Trey. You mean they're not talking about breaking down Taiwan Walker? They're not even talking about Trey. Yeah. See, look, Troy, our engineer, look at him. He's got his Eagles hat right there. Well, I mean, I found this out about Troy. Like, he, not only a big Eagles fan, a lifelong Philadelphian, he's like a much more sane version of Pat Malley for us yeah. in the Washington D.C. area. <laughs> I was telling Troy one time. I, uh, you know, I asked him if I could plug into, you know, my computer into the um, uh, what, pa- what power strip. sockets, power strip, whatever. I said I always ask because one time, and I don't know, know if I've ever told you the story. I think it was at the Trans World Dome in St. Louis before the Rams moved back. I almost blew up our studio or our broadcast booth by plugging into. A uh, an outlet just without asking, right? My computer or whatever it was, and it sparked up like you know, and and Pat like you know, in his maniacal, mm-hmm. you, you know, Pat, right? Yeah. In his maniacal uh, took time mannerism. out from his peanut butter sandwich. Yeah, exactly. He, he poked it. He reared his ugly head up from the peanut butter sandwich, from the vat of peanut butter, and he's like, <laughs> But I mean, I mean, it, but, it, but but I mean, look, the reality is, the NFL drives the car. Yeah, and. You know, you think it's just us in our market. It is everywhere. Yeah. I mean, like I'm saying, Trey Turner signs this 11-year, $300 million deal with the Phillies. They're not even talking about it. Right. You know, the Flyers suck. They're not even talking about it. I mean, and, and that's what – when when else can – look, the, with the way the Sixers and the Flyers are playing, you know, in a lot of markets, that would – you'd have every reason to talk about those teams. These teams suck. Why do they suck? Let's talk about it now. No, they're not even talking about them. Because they're talking about the Philadelphia Eagles. You I listen, mean, look, da- in Texas, they just signed Jacob DeGrom. All they're talking about is the yeah. Cowboys, you know? I mean, the NFL, so, as we know, is king. I mean, today, we're not going to do as much NFL as we normally mm-hmm. would on a Friday, you know, because we're here at this spectacular event, uh, and we'll have a bunch of special And it timed out perfectly because we don't have any commanders this week. Commanders Well, we, well we, of course, have some commanders. Well, we it's do, the yes. commanders that yes. really nobody wants to talk about. 
with the exception of, and we'll spend a minute or two on this real quickly out of the gate, because this broke, I mean, we knew it was coming around noon. Mm-hmm. And we kept mentioning it throughout the show yesterday. We knew it wasn't going to be flattering to Dan. Uh, I, I suppose there's no, like, oh, my gosh, eureka moments in that particular report. But I guess the most juiciest thing to come out of it was the, according to the testimony of the House or in the, and the report, basically Bruce Allen was told that by the NFL, by Lisa Friel, mm-hmm. who used to be, right, a D.C. Uh, or, or no, no, that was Kathy Lanier. Right. Lisa Friel is just NFL like. No head, relation to my yeah. former classmate, John Friel. Okay. So Lisa Friel apparently told Bruce Allen the commanders yeah. were the ones that leaked the emails for John Gruden, which yeah. I've always contend, hey, listen, everybody thought it was to make John Gruden look bad. Yes, it made John Gruden look bad, and he lost his job. But it also made Bruce Allen look really bad, and I think but that, that was, was the, the intent. I that think was that the was the intended intent. target. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that's why everybody thought that the commanders were the ones that leaked it, and essentially Lisa Friel of the NFL. But it, was, but it was the fact that the commanders were the ones that went and looked at the nearly 400,000 emails yeah. from Bruce yes. looking for, looking looking for, for material, sure. looking for material yeah. that you know, they could continue to show Bruce in a bad light. Yeah. And keeping in mind, Bruce is telling us all along on behalf of Dan and the organization that all oh, the culture's great here. You know, we're winning off the field and all that, and all that other stuff. Well, as it turns out, that, that wasn't. Uh, the case, but I thought even juicier was the fact that Bruce walks out of his house, and this is like a movie. It's like he walks out of his house, and there's this car running out there, and the guy tells him, "Yeah, yeah, I'm, 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 we're we're keeping tabs on you, Mr. Allen." Yeah, I mean, what are we doing well, I, here? I, I, I mean, I've tried. And Dan and and the organization, not Dan, but the organization right. has consistently messaged that they did have, not have. They did. They do not tail people. That you know they're not investigating right. you know people privately. Yet there's some person just like out of a CSI movie sitting outside of Bruce Allen's house. Right. I mean, how many times have we talked on our show about shady characters following ex-employees and 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 showing up in weird spots and in neighborhoods? Right? It's unbelievable. And, and the story detail. I mean, Bruce Allen's like, yeah, I uh, woke up uh, in the morning and I made a pot of coffee and uh, all of a sudden I walked out and there was this uh, shady dude parked <laughs> in my new neighborhood after we just moved. I mean, like, like, like stuff, quite honestly, out of 1960s movies. Yeah. I mean, it was crazy to read some of this. And I haven't even read a lot of it just because we've been so busy traveling and, you know, doing, uh, you, you know, things. I've read excerpts and bits and pieces. I mean, it, it, it's just unbelievable to see not to hear from the people that were affected by this in some cases not to know how things operate mm-hmm. i mean i we tried very hard to convey whatever we legally could convey because you don't want to you don't want to point a finger on the radio at somebody doing something really nefarious, right? Uh, like a shadow investigation. But because they were so adamant that they did not conduct shadow investigations, that they did not trail people, that they did not harass people, that they didn't show up at people's doors, that they didn't—I mean, you have literally a, a I guess, a, a, pro, a former FBI agent or a former police officer saying, "Hey, Mr. Allen, uh, uh, the Washington uh, football team uh, sent me." Are you kidding me? 
Are you? It's just absurd. Yeah, when it just when, absurd. When you get a guy that when you got when you get somebody who walks out of his house uh, and has somebody in a car. I mean, it's not like Bruce Allen is you know part of the mob or anything. He was just the football president of operations, but that's how Washington operates. You know themselves. So. Uh, it's just it's really goofy to talk about, and with the couple of openings that we'll have, we'll touch on it here uh, throughout the course of the morning. As always here when we're on Radio Row, we get the opportunity to talk to great guests, and of course, every morning when I'm driving into work, as you and I have two of the longest commutes uh, known to mankind because of traffic oh, yes, in the do. D.C. area, I listen to Dusty and Danny every morning on Sirius XM, and Dusty Dvorak joins us right now. Dude, you know, college football season comes down to, you know, one final regular season game with this being a, a standalone game. Why, why does everybody show up for Army-Navy? The business of college football continues to try and leave these schools behind, this game behind, and yet this game continues to persevere and bring everybody together like we are here in Philadelphia. Well, first of all, great to be with you, gentlemen. Uh, thanks for the time here. Talk to your great listeners Thank in the D.C. area. Um, you know, it's, it's a great question, um, and I don't think I really had a true appreciation until last year. Last year was the first one that I actually attended. And when you, when you go to this game and you see and you uh, are able to experience the march on with, with both the Army and Navy young service members, and then you see this crowd and you feel this passion, and there was like a three-, four-star general. We are on the Army sideline last year watching the first half. And there was like a three- or four-star general, and he's just going ballistic. Like, I mean, like, probably one of the most important men in our country, and he's like a cheerleader. He's like working the crowd, and, like, you can just feel it. And I think that there's an acknowledgement, and there should be, and a recognition of our military. And I think that when you see that march on and you feel, you know, what this thing is all about, it's really the football is great and all, but it's kind of secondary. I think that it's really just an appreciation and acknowledgement for our armed forces, for what these young men and women put themselves through, for us to be able to do talk radio shows like we do, to love our sports, have this great country. At least that what, that's what it is for me. And then, interestingly enough, a lot of times these games are really competitive. They're really close. It means so much to both sides, and not just the players playing in it, but anybody who served in the Army or the Navy. Like, this is that game that everybody gravitates to. And I think that it's awesome. Uh, that we as a college football community are showing the appreciation that we should to this game, giving it its own day, its standalone day. I think it's awesome, and I applaud it, and I hope it never changes. You know, it's interesting. Way, way, way earlier in my career, when I was a loudmouth know-nothing, I used to be like, "Ah, Army, Navy, I mean, everybody celebrates it, but it doesn't mean anything, Right. right? But that was when I was a dummy. Right. You don't understand the significance until you get older and have a greater appreciation. And then, like you said, last year was my maiden voyage, like you, right? And I got a different experience than you. But to see it all unfold and to see the spectacle and to to know the meaning and, um, you know, uh, uh, Pete and I knew, uh, you know, one one of the Army coaches last year who'd come on our show, former Redskins assistant coach Ben Kotwika, who's now with the Minnesota Vikings. So, you know, he would always tell me about the game, the game, the game, the game. Uh, Okay, okay. Let me see it for myself. And everything that you just described. Like, this is not probably the nicest thing in the world to say, but like you said, the football is, is almost secondary to the experience and the meaning, the the honor 
the the meaning, what these men go through, what these programs go through, what this is all about. And what they're going to continue to go yeah. through when they're done playing. Right, right. And that some of these guys from a leadership standpoint are going to be the leaders yeah. of our country, of our military. And so I played at Oklahoma. Right. Uh, my rookie year, in the, but the Bears went to the Super Bowl. So I played national championships as a part of a Super Bowl team. Sexy Rexy, right? Get, get a chance to call great games in college football. I'm calling the Sugar Bowl right. coming up here. Um, I, I, I've seen and been a part of a lot of great football mm-hmm. and, and, and moments. And I kid you not, like playing in OU Texas, that, that to me is, sure. you know, being there in Dallas at the State Fair, being a kid from Dallas to go back there and play that, that holds a different level of special. Like this game, I said this yesterday, I think it's right, like it, it's different than any other game you can compare it to. And it's, it's for all the things you mentioned. And I would just urge anybody, if you get a chance, to to go watch one of these games as they move it around a little bit. I think it's going to be in Boston next yep. year, New yep. York City last year. Mm-hmm. If you get an opportunity to go, I would do it. I would take your kids, and you will walk out of there almost with uh, fulfilled, right? Mm-hmm. You almost like your cup is going to be all the way overflowing mm-hmm. with pride. And to me, that's that's the biggest compliment you can pay this game. And, and again, like last year, it was, a, it was a big upset win for Navy, and they came from behind. And the other thing, uh, just from a betting perspective, 16 straight years yep. the unders hit. So it's got it's all the way down to 32 and a half. I don't know if you guys talk much gambling. Yeah. We talk a lot of gambling on our yeah. show. Uh, we, 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 we talk so. That's a pretty – I don't know much. Six, that's a, dude, that's a pretty low number. straight years the unders hit. So. Dusty, it, it is steel cage, man. It's Harley race Ric Flair inside right. of a steel cage. Woo! You know? I mean, it, it every time. So look, wait, wait, that, did you hear that? that that's oh, part yeah. of our show. We love it. You we know, do a Woo Wednesday. Yeah, oh, all right, there right. you go. There you go. Yep. I mean, we can't play. We can't play the Ric Flair Woo enough. On, I mean, it's it, seriously though. I mean, it, it's it's shoebox football. It's yeah, thirteen man. ten. I mean, twenty to seventeen would represent a high scoring game. Hundred percent. You know, in, in this series, but that would smash. And that would it, smash. It, the it total. would smash the total. And then I, I'm an old nose tackle, right. so right. like. That's right up my alley. Right. I was going to say, right. though, to that point, you've got – we have all these exotic – and, you know, let me think about it. how much in college football, because, you know, my broadcast partner, Navy Joe Miller, and I, we do our It's College Football podcast. How much have we talked about the quarterbacks yeah. at nauseam now? I mean, JT Daniels searching for another job. And, uh, yeah. you know, Phil Dracovic, who I, I swore when he was at Notre Dame as a backup, I'm like, that dude's going to go somewhere else and be somebody, except he chose Boston College, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. You watch. He's going to light it up at Pitt next year. He'll be ten times better – at Pitt, because I think Dracovic still has some physical skills. Wait a second. Weren't we saying that about Keaton Slovis going into this year? That's I mean, true. I mean, look at how many USC quarterbacks know, are out there shopping for jobs. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it's a like lot. free agency hey, at Palooza. Hi, I'm going to USC to play yeah. quarterback. Oh, wait a minute. There's like nine of us right. in the portal. I, I but, love Pat Narduzzi. Uh, I'll be rooting for Dracovic. Um, I'll just say this, though. I, I need to see it in a level of consistency. And it's no knock on him, but I think you got to go back to – what the the 2020 season since he really put together a full complete season 100 percent he was great that year but and again he's been banged up he's, he's dealt with some injuries yep and a lot of question marks just around that offense but uh, I think that'll be fascinating I, I know coach Narduzzi's fired up and excited about him he's got the stature he looks like an NFL ready quarterback I tell Chris all the time when they walk off the bus Dusty you know who the quarterback oh, is you know you know so but yet we played Kurt Warner's kid this year. And we kind of held him in check. And then every game after that, he threw for like 900 yards for right. Temple. And he's like, he's barely six foot tall. Right. So, but he, as a freshman, EJ had a great year. But, of course, he's had a heck of a tutor growing up. To my point, though, about the nose guards. 
this this is this is like you know your type of game. Oh yeah. You know Donald Bernard Jr. for Navy's been unbelievable at nose guard uh, this year. It's a running football game. We're going to get probably seventy five running plays mm-hmm. uh, dur- during the course of this game. You played though. You and Danny played in great rivalry games. Even though your programs played on the big time level, where every game is magnified. How different was Oklahoma, Texas, and Bedlam? How, how different were those games for you where sometimes it's more mentally and guys doing things outside of their body as opposed to the physical part of executing keys and what you're trying to do during the game? It, it is different, and anybody or any coach that tells you games like this aren't different, they're lying, and they're just trying to, you know, because you want to make everything the same. You don't want to change a whole lot. What was the, the biggest difference I noticed probably was the week of preparation. Like when it was Texas week, starting on Monday, mm-hmm. we came in at, at 5.30. We watched an extra hour of film each day. Practice ran a little bit longer. I think whenever we signed those waivers, we probably were fudging <laughs> that week for sure. We were fudging every week, but, you know. Um, so I think just the, the overall preparation uh, with, with the acknowledgement and understanding that, that there are going to be a lot of emotions in that game, but you've mm-hmm. You've watched it, you've practiced it, you've trained your body for those moments, for those situations, and when you go out there, you just let it loose and you go play. I mean, clearly in a game like this, the emotions are through the roof. It was hard for me, but and like it didn't really matter as a nose tackle, so like the emotion, I was an emotional player. I was always kind of a guy that played on edge anyway. And so in a game like this, I was just over the top through the roof. Certain players, you know, you gotta be able to level that out. And I think that that is a you know, that's a, a juggling act for players and coaches individually. As the game builds up and as you get into it and you see the march on, you're going out there, you know, quarterbacks, certain players, uh, you know, you've got to be able to keep somewhat of an even kill because if your emotions get the best of you, it can be a problem as opposed to something to help. But, you know, fools like me, they just line up and when the ball moves, you go. <laughs> it didn't necessarily matter. But the biggest thing for me in a rivalry game, what was really different, though, and, again, there's a ton of passion and it means a lot, but the week of preparation leading up, mm. we put in so much time, effort, energy so that no matter what, we were not going to be outworked leading up to that. And I am a big believer, like, and I know – uh, I think what in this city, Allen Iverson practice. We yeah, talk about practice. 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 Uh, as much as I love AI, I'm a big believer in practice, and especially in the game of football, you have to prepare yourself yeah. individually and as a team, mentally and physically. Unless you're Baker Mayfield, yeah, like we saw last yeah. night, but <laughs> but for the most part, you do mentally right, and physically right. have to callous your brain, have to callous your body to go out there, and especially in a game like this when the emotions are going to be through the roof. And emotionally, too, like you were just saying. Um, I mean, we could talk about this game forever. This is you, you know this. I love running the football, so this is my kind of game. I'm, I'm going to be happier than a pig in poop, you know, when these teams run. What, what the Navy won uh, through one pass in the win against Central Florida a couple of weeks yep. ago. That's I mean, right. it's crazy, right? Being a top-20 team for a one pass, win on the road. But whatever. Uh, I love running the ball, so I'm right there with you. But I wanted to ask you about the game you said you're going to call the Sugar Bowl. Yeah. Uh, now, that's on ESPN television that you're going to be calling that game because you also do that. Yep. Um, so that's Alabama and K-State. Obviously, yeah. K-State does not the unthinkable, beats TCU, outlasts them in overtime in the Big 12 championship game. That threw some, But it's kind of ironic that that's the matchup because that kept – 
ultimately, TCU only losing a close game in overtime in that one kept them in the top four mix and kept Alabama out. So that's kind of an interesting matchup that we get there. And then Alabama, again, just being Alabama, I know it hasn't been the same Alabama team this year, but everybody expects them to be in the college football playoff every year. But penalties have hurt them. Yes. Uh, maybe some you know discipline-type stuff, yep. close losses. Did you think it shook out the way it should have? And what do you think Alabama is going to give us being that Again, they, they're not where they normally are. It's a great question. I did. Like, I, I did not want to see TCU be punished for playing in a championship game while Alabama with two losses sitting at home gets the benefit. Right. I know we saw that with Ohio State. A little bit different. Ohio State had the one loss. USC, they got obliterated, especially after the first quarter, mm-hmm. and defensively they showed some more. It's like you couldn't have watched that Pac-12 championship game and put USC in. Right. Like, they just they right. made it impossible. Right. But then you watch TCU, like, to me it would have been a travesty. Like, okay, I mean, I'll, I'll put it to you like this. Do I think, do I believe Alabama would be favored by a touchdown against TCU? Sure, I do. Tennessee was favored by a touchdown against Alabama. Mm. Uh, you know, LSU was favored by 13 and a half against Alabama. They lost both those games. So, like, and I know Nick Saban used that as kind of like, you know, his pushback when he was on CBS at uh, at halftime or or, or, uh, Fox on halftime of the Big Ten. I don't think it should just be about who's the best. Like, to me, best is arbitrary. Like, I think deserving goes into my factor of best. What you've done throughout the, the entirety of the season, your body of work has to play a factor or else let's just break out the NFL uh, you know, the mock NFL drafts. Let's just break out the recruiting rankings, yeah. and we'll just put the most talented teams in every single year mm-hmm. because clearly from a talent perspective, Alabama's the best team, at least better in that equation between TCU. But throughout the course of the season, they were supposed to be the better team, and they weren't. Right. I look at the AM game. I look at the Texas game that with a backup quarterback in Hudson Card, I thought they Barely outplayed won. Alabama. Yes. Yeah. TCU on that same field, I thought they looked better against Texas what Alabama did so it's been a special season for Sonny Dykes I thought that they deserve the opportunity to keep playing in the college football and while we perceive the SEC's talents which we know are awesome the analytics actually backed it up with TCU though strength the resume which is exactly what the committee needed the committee needed to be able to say hey here's why we're choosing TCU and they clear analytical data to back that up because, as we know, we all get criticized. We know the eye test tells us yep. that a team is really good, but you can't just choose them on the eye test. That's so. right. And, and Max Duggan's been special. And, like, they got pros, man. Yeah. Quentin Johnson's a first-round yep. pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when you look, uh, Travis Hodges-Tomlinson just won the Thorpe. He's yep. an elite corner who can Johnny Hodges, one of their of line, top linebackers, played at Navy. He's for, st- and he's a big-time player. Yeah. I mean, he's a big-time player. So, They've got Avila, uh, their left guard. He's yeah. probably going to be a first, second round pick. Like, it's not act like they're a bunch of a bunch of right. dumb bums. Yeah. I mean, come right. on now. They got legit dudes, and they've been able to put it all together. And Sonny Dykes is a friend of mine, and I, I was happy to see him the success. To answer the other part of your question, as a guy calling the game, and I love competitive football, I sure hope Nick Saban is able to get that team ready to play. You know, like we don't know is Bryce Young going to play? Is Will Anderson going to play? I hope so. I have right. no idea. The good thing about Alabama, that next man up's really good too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that just is like a, Ohio State and the Rose Bowl against Utah. That, that's last exactly year. right. And and opt-outs are real. And I've, I've kind of changed. I've come around my mindset on opt-outs. I don't like it, but I don't. 
I also understand the business aspect of it. And the way I choose to look at it, I don't want to harp and talk about who's not playing. Let's focus on who is playing and right. the opportunity that's presented right. there. And I can tell you this, Kansas State, they're going to treat this like their national championship. Yep. Yes. So Nick Saban, and he knows that. Yep. You know, Chris Kleiman's going to have the Wildcats. That is their national stage. Yep. That is their spot. They've already won a Big 12 championship. If they can cap it off with a win over Bama and a Sugar Bowl championship, That's it'll monstrous. be one of the biggest seasons yep. sure. in the history of the school. So Coach Saban, he's got the more talent. He better have his team ready to play because I can guarantee it Kansas State will be. And Kansas State has its best quarterback playing right now, too. Will, will Howard. He can throw it. Not even, Deuce not even Vaughn is so much fun to watch. Yep. And they've got a legit dude, uh, Felix Sanyudike yep. Uzama, 91 for people watching that yep. game. He is an elite pass rusher off the edge. They can really get after it. That's the lead into the playoffs. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Dave Pash, Tom Lugabill, myself will be on the call. I think that'll be 11 o'clock. I think it's 11 a.m. Eastern time. 12 Eastern, oh, 12 11 Eastern Central. Uh, so it'll be 11 local, right? Uh, but they're on New Year's Eve morning to get you ready for your, your playoff Saturday. That means don't go out Friday night or you'll be in pain. I, I, I can't. Now, that <laughs> night, uh, New Year's Eve night. I, that, that's I, a different story. I, well, now, I do have to keep it together because I'm also calling the Cotton Bowl in, uh, in Arlington two days later. Yeah. So oh, gosh. I'll, I'll My USC one and only Tulane. night in New Orleans, I, I visited Pat O'Brien's and had, a, and had a few too many hurricanes. I'll tell you what. And I was hurting the next that day. That city Ooh. is sinful, oh. to say the least. You'll love, you'll love my guys Michael Pratt and Tajay Spears for Tulane, I, too, man. I just did the American Conference yeah. Championship. I know all about them. Yeah. And don't forget Dorian Williams, their linebacker. You want to talk about a fast riser in the NFL draft? Mm. Two from Tulane, that linebacker. Dorian Williams, and I think he's going to showcase against USC. He's going to be a guy that I think is going to be in the Senior Bowl and he'll be rising up draft boards here throughout the draft process. Awesome. Dusty, appreciate the visit. Enjoy the game uh, coming so up tomorrow. We'll be watching the, the Sugar Bowl coming up as well. Appreciate the time. Thanks, gentlemen. And I got to do it before I go. Woo! It was great to be with you. He fits Woo! right in on our show. Matty, Love it. Matty, I expect that to be cut up like as <laughs> soon as possible because we just got a big – a big hitter yeah. just giving us a little Ric Flair wooage. Love it. Love right. it. Dusty Dvorak joining us here on the Team 980. We are live Radio Woo! Row here in Philadelphia. Coming up, Keenan Reynolds in 15 minutes. Danny Cannell at the top of the hour. It's Russell and Medhurst until noon right here on the Team 980 and streaming live for free on the Odyssey app. We're live at Radio Row here in Philadelphia. It's Russell and Medhurst. We're here until 12 o'clock. A lot of great guests throughout the course of the day uh, that will be uh, joining us. We're pleased to be joined now by one of the greatest to ever play in this game. But even his coach would tell you, as cool and calm and see, Russell, this ring I wear every day to promote Navy football. Wait, you wear a ring every day? Yeah. I didn't I didn't know. That guy that. right there is the one responsible <laughs> for this ring with his with his buddies. But his coach will tell you, as cool as a cucumber that Keenan Reynolds was at all times, he was an offensive, he was, he was the Peyton Manning of college football, okay? He did all the audibles for us. He was Omaha for us. That's how good he knew the offense. But even this game, this game gave him a little bit of a different vibe. Mm -hmm. It made the nerves a little different in a game like this, did it not, Keenan Reynolds? Yeah, you know, um, I was nervous for every game. I was just really good at hiding it. But this game is just its different, right? Um, and I think, like, while I was playing, you're you are trying to balance all of the pageantry 
you know, you're trying to balance, you know, at the time we, you know, had 14, 15 game streak. So you don't want to be the quarterback to lose to Army. Um, so I think I was nervous every game, but like, especially that last one, I was like, okay, I, we, we, this is the last one. Got to get out of here with a dub. Um, we had a big season that year, so obviously wanted to keep the momentum going. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's different. And, and I, I knew it from the first time, you know, my freshman year, rolling up to the link, and there's people already in the stands. And I'm like, it's two and a half hours for game time. And you guys are already in the stands waiting. And that's when I knew. That's when it clicked. Like, okay, this is the real deal. You know, we're about to sell out an NFL stadium, Army-Navy. And it's, mm. I mean, the, the, the environment, the atmosphere, the pageantry. You know, the coaches try to tell you not to think about it. But, you know, looking back on it, I think the best thing to do is just absorb it all. Like, you know, be in the moment. Enjoy it. Because once you're on the other side, that's the only thing you're thinking about is like, wow, I wish I could play in the game. You know, uh, Keenan and uh, Dan Rickard join us on behalf of Palantir. And, and Dan, as a West Point guy, we talk about this all the time. Companies like yours in the software industry, you're likely at some point to turn to guys like Keenan and people that come through West Point at some point and employ them. Because we, we talk about how when this game is over on Saturday, for the next five years at, at minimum, they're giving you know their service to our country. But because of the educations they get at, at Army and Navy, you're more likely. If you see that on somebody's resume that comes Absolutely. across your desk, you're, you're, you're more likely to give one of those people a job because you know exactly what they've gone through and the discipline it's taken to get through Army and Navy, don't you? Well, look, it's not just having you know, West Point or Annapolis on your resume. It's having those values, too, right, that, that you want to come. You want to continue that service. You want to continue to work on hard problems. You know, in our case, in our public sector business, it's for – software solutions so the military can win right so yeah i mean who better to have on our team than a guy that knows a lot about winning right is it is it, it from a business standpoint too uh you know we we talk about the spectacular offerings now because both west point and annapolis have expanded uh in so many areas there was a time where the educational offerings were minimal now they've expanded you know tenfold uh yeah. you know as you know being a, a student there as well what is it about those grads, as you mentioned, you know, especially in case of a football player, but what is it about those grads being one of them that, that sticks out to you as someone whose livelihood now depends on sure. the quality of the work of your teammates now uh, on the business side? Well, look, I think we all, we all you know, on the, on the private sector side, understand, like, you got to get to work, right? Um, we got to work hard. We got to build things that matter, right? And when you pull in those grads from these institutions who are used to doing the work, I mean, man, that's a winning, that's a winning combination right there. Uh, why, why Army-Navy? Why, why be involved in this? Oh, man, it's America's game. You know, it's about, it's about those values, that duty on our country, right, the, the values of being on the field. You know, for us, we have a, a deep commitment um, to the DOD. That's really where we got our roots, where we got our start as a business. So being here and being part of this pageantry, the event, sponsoring these leaders of the future, right, that's what it's about for us. Keenan, we had you on last year at Radio Row when we were in New York City. Uh, I forget where we were. Uh, what, what? Yeah, the Intrepid, yeah. right? So that was that was my first Army Navy experience, right? I had wow. never been to Army Navy before. So the next day, we'd go to the game, right? Met life, march on, and you know, all just all the pageantry. What is it like playing in the game versus now watching the game, being a part of? that experience and how do you how do the emotions if you will still tingle yeah. uh you know your mind and your heart 
again, in a different way than what you previously explained now, you know, as, as a very important alum, if you will. For sure. <laughs> Very important alum. I, I don't know about all that. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, you I got. Appreciate, you, you, I appreciate that. You, you got my boy his ring, right? I mean, that that, that makes you automatically important. Nah, I appreciate that. Um, so, you know, as a player, as I as I mentioned, you're trying to kind of crowd out, right, and block out all the things that come with this, right? right? You know, it's there, but you try to, you know, let's just keep doing what we do every Saturday. Every, you know, let's do every during our prep. Let's do the same things that we do. Let's focus the same day we've been focusing the entire year. So you, you're really trying really hard to, you know, just focus on the white lines, right? Mm -hmm. And you get to the game, and you can't really – you're not trying to look in the stands and like, wow, there's so many people here. You're just trying to focus on, okay, what's the next play? What's the next call? How do we ex execute on the next drive? And then on the when you get on the other side, now I get to come to, you know, Radio Row, and I get to, you know, talk about the gala and talk to grads and tailgate and watch the march on and just be way more relaxed. Nerves aren't as – I'm not as on edge, right? But then – Something about when, when the teams run out of that tunnel, I immediately go back to how I felt mm. as a player. I get the same chills, the goosebumps, and I'm like, man, I remember what it was like running out of the tunnel when you got, you know, the Blue Angels flying over you at the same mm. time, and then, you know, Army comes out with the with the choppers, and it's just, it's, you get the same goosebumps and adrenaline that I felt as a player, and then, but you just enjoy it from a spectator and just really be a true fan immersed in the game. Do, do you find yourself trying to coach Xavier through TV and, and, oh, and things sure. of yeah, that yeah, yeah, right yeah. now? For sure. For sure. Uh, <laughs> I certainly feel how Coach Dasper probably felt watching me just like, you know, you see something like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. you know. Well, here's, <laughs> but here's a good point about this particular game, though. We played a lot of teams that really had no idea what we were doing. Yeah. Okay. As a quarterback, you come to the line of scrimmage salivating when you see that. Right. When you come to the line of scrimmage in this game, though, and you know they know what you're doing, mm -hmm. and you come to the line of scrimmage, you go, tag on, I can't audible into that. I, we just got to run this thing and hope it works. Yeah. Why is this game different from that standpoint? Because you know their preparation for the option is unlike anybody else you faced all year. For sure. You know, you, you practice against it all year uh, in, in fall camp and in, in spring ball. So, like, you know, on both sides, it's really tough um, to do anything that they haven't seen, right? So, that's why, you know, in the preparation stage, it's really important, you know, to have the strategy and, and find, you know, what are the weaknesses? What can we exploit, you know, schematically uh, for this year's team? And then it just comes down to mono e mono execution. Who's going to out-execute the other team? And that's usually the team that, makes the, that, that wins. And then also, you know, I can point out a handful of plays throughout my four-year career in the Army-Navy game that decided the game one way or the other. They were always close except for one year. We were, you know, you know, less than touchdown mm -hmm. uh, victories where it came down to one or two plays that we made that if it didn't go that way, we'd probably lose the game. And one that sticks out is 2012, you know, the Trent yeah. Stillman fumble. I mean, it was three plays in that game that changed it, you know. And But for the most part, Army outplayed us all the way up until the end. And we made we made three plays that they didn't, and we won the game. So that's how it, that's how it happens. And that just comes down to being able to focus in those stressful situations and being able to, to rely on your preparation and, and not get too caught up in the moment and try to play outside of yourself. Dan, when you put together, when you have people that are putting together, you know, uh, even from the ground up, you know, minimal software, and just it's almost what he just alluded to. You, there's two or three moments while you're working, uh, you know, and, and even in the software industry, working for the government, if you, one bad piece of code or one bad, you know, product that you all put together can be the difference between, quite frankly, as I've tried to discuss with people, 
you know, attention to detail is everything. Sure. Uh, on the football field, it can mean losing the game. On yeah. the battlefield, it can mean losing your life and 100%. the life of a lot of other people. So from that standpoint, when you have people like Keenan and others who've made, you know, pressure decisions yeah. and things of that nature, work well under deadlines, uh, you know, how different is that for you knowing that you, again, have to have trust, have to 100%. have faith that those people are going to be able to come through? Well, I think there's a lot of assumed trust. Right. right, because it's it's battle tested, right? Uh, you know that when you bring people in that have had to make those decisions. First of all, when the, when something happens, right, and you get the call, which we often do at our company at Palantir, you know, when something's going down, hey, we we got to get we got to get our folks in there. We got to make sure that our service members have what they need to win, right? I mean, that's really what we're about. And in the theater of the unknown, right now, you know. In, in regular warfare, you know, 50 years ago, you know, 60 years ago, we had we kind of had an idea of, of sure. what it was. But that warfare is so different now. There's yeah. so much stuff we never see uh, behind the scenes. How different is that trying to help government agencies uh, prepare for? And it, it's really almost to, to the general public, it's very silent. Sure. We, we never see that type of stuff, but we know how important that is. Well, look, there's obviously a lot of talk about the near-peer threats that are out there right now but it's you know with iraq and afghanistan sort of winding down you know the terrorist threat also didn't go away so more so now than right. ever the dod has to do more right? right they have to do both things and you know for us having critical software in play where you can make decisions thousands of decisions at speed and know the second and third order effects of those you know that's critical that's the difference between deterrence you know and and, and something happening really so when you guys do these hits together, yeah. when you guys are just bumping around, like how much trash do you talk? You know, <laughs> <laughs> we've got our we've got our media person here, and she was like, "Dan, you can you can be a little more Dan if you want." <laughs> so there's a bit of there's you know we got a little trash. Yeah, there, there are a ton of uh, West Point grads that are kind of littered throughout the office, along with other Naval Academy grads, and we got a nice you know Slack channel yeah. where there's been a healthy a healthy dose of trash talk. Um, at, in the lead up to the game, and you know, I think me and Dan had a an established truce for for media row. You know, as we're coming here representing the same company, right. we're, we're not gonna go too crazy, right? Because right. you're on the same team here. Right. Yeah, but we can go a little crazy right, right. to be but clear. Right. But he yeah, knows yeah. that we're about to roll these guys. <laughs> oh, <too>. yes, <laughs> right. Right. But you know what though? <laughs> but you you two represent exactly like Rich Demarco, the Army play-by-play guy, and I sure. yesterday did a ton of radio and TV uh, hits across the country on behalf of USAA. And the one thing that we try to you know, you guys are a perfect example of what we talk about in the fact that, yeah, you guys are going to play football tomorrow, get a, you get the game over with. But for the seniors in May when they graduate, they join forces on the same team. Yep. They're part of the same to work. great yep. fighting force that protects our freedom uh, each and every day. So certainly it's, it's healthy competition. There's yep. no doubt about that. But in May, those seniors graduate and uh, become one. You guys are a perfect living example of that uh, right now. From a, from a player standpoint, for those seniors that are going out there tomorrow, and we'll let you out on this, that moment when that last two or three seconds clicks off the clock, you head down and you get to hopefully celebrate uh, with, you know, the brigade of midshipmen down there. I, I still get goosebumps and tears describing that to our audience on the radio. What is that like as a player? Because there was no guarantee, and, and you got opportunities in the NFL, but there's no guarantee yeah. that guys like you, Diego Fago, Malcolm Perry, were going to get opportunities uh, in the NFL to go down and, and celebrate with the brigade in that moment. What, what, what is that moment like? Yeah, it's, it's un, uh, indescribable. You know, 
you, you're playing in this game, especially for our seniors this year, there is no bowl game, right? right? You win this game, it's, it's it. It's your last, it's likely the last time you put on a pair of pads and a helmet. And it's a very sobering feeling to think like, you know, what a way to go out, first of all. It's like, it, this is the last one you ever play in. You know, what a great memory um, to have. And you'll always remember the, the way you felt after the games. You know, obviously, hopefully we want to win. You want to sink second. Um, but I think either way, like just the experience of the game, uh, being a part of it, um, and seeing so many people invested in the outcome and like just being a part of it, like like watching a game all over the world, tuned in, you know, across thousands of miles away, you feel a sense of importance. You feel a sense of responsibility to go out there and lay everything you have on the line. And the thought process is once the bell rings and the game's over, you want to know that you didn't leave anything in the tank. You gave everything you had, win or lose, and you can live with yourself after that. Keenan Reynolds, Dan Ricker, gentlemen, appreciate the visit this morning. Thanks for having us, man. You got it. Thanks, Thanks guys. You. Brought to you by our friends at Palantir. Keenan Reynolds, one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play in this rivalry. And Xavier Arline hopes to join him in those storied conversations coming up tomorrow. Danny Cannell joins us top of the hour right here on the Thanks. Team 980 and streaming live for free on the Odyssey app. All right, we are here at the uh, Army-Navy game, of course, in Philadelphia as we get set for the 123rd version of this contest tomorrow at Lincoln Financial Field. Of course, Navy coming off of the win last year at MetLife Stadium. Meanwhile, locally and back home in D.C., the Capitals back home after a six-game road trip which finished up with two strong wins in Edmonton and Philadelphia. Of course, Alex Ovechkin now just 99 away from number 99. And the great one after two empty net goals in the final buck 35 on Wednesday night here in Philadelphia at Wells Fargo Center. Meanwhile, the Wizards back in action here on the Team 980 tonight and the Odyssey app in Indianapolis. John Wall making his return to Capital One Arena with the Clippers tomorrow night. So a double dip uh, for the Wizards as they come home. Of course, Commanders on the bye week, the fallout from the House Oversight Committee uh, reform report uh, against Dan Snyder and the Commanders. We touched on it earlier. We will sprinkle it in throughout the next two-plus hours right here on Russell and Medhurst from Radio Row in Philadelphia for the Army-Navy game presented by USAA. Uh, we are with you on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app.